He is the creator and sustainer of all the worlds, whether those worlds are known or unknown to mankind. unclouded by hate does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice hello everyone my name's charlie you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer c.e dorset and today we're continuing our read through and study of the prophet by khalil gibran yesterday we covered his descent down the mountain to the sea and ended well to the temple and ended with Almitra asking him to talk to them, to share his truth with the crowd. And the prophet, Al-Mustafa, asked her, what am I supposed to talk about? What do you want me to say? As we begin our next chapter on love. Then Almitra said, speak to us of love. And he raised his head and looked upon the people, and there fell a stillness upon them. And with a great voice he said, When love beckons to you, follow him, though his ways are hard and steep. When his wings enfold you, yield to him, though the sword hidden among his pinions may wound you. And when he speaks to you, believe him, though his voice may shatter your dreams as the north wind slays. I'm sorry, as the north wind lays waste to the garden. Yeah. This is, we actually had this chapter read at our wedding because, well, usually people have the next chapter read, which is on marriage. We, We chose this one because I think it's important when you're entering a relationship and, I mean, we had been, you know, together for 20 years prior to our legal marriage. But when you're actually entering a relationship, it's important to understand what love is. Because most people, when they talk about love, they talk about love in this sort of saccharine way. And love, true love, beautiful love, has this wonderful, bittersweet quality to it. When love beckons to you, follow him, though his ways are hard and steep. Relationships, all relationships, whether they be born out of brotherly love or out of compassion or out of an actual eros, a deep abiding love, they're they're never easy. And we like to pretend that they are, and we like to pretend that they will be. And I think a lot of relationships end the moment it gets hard once the way is hard and steep. And sometimes those relationships were meant to end, and I'm not saying that they weren't, but when you allow yourself to have this belief that love is easy and love is simple, it allows you to be blind to the trappings that come with it. These are people who have decided to live together and live their lives together and mend their lives together and weave 
the fabric of their lives together. And that's not always going to be simple. That's not always going to be easy. Relationships are hard. Love is hard. And that's one of the things that makes it so beautiful and so worth doing. And by acknowledging that, that right out the gate, the Prophet Mustafa here is reminding us that we shouldn't be expecting things to come too easy. That within the wings of love, when they enfold us, there's a sword hidden among, among the feathers. And it may wound us. And that wound may kill love and drive it away. Or it may be temporary and the wound may heal and the love may grow. But no, there are swords hidden within the feathers. When we fall in love, Joseph Campbell says, what we actually fall in love with is the projection of our ideal mate. We project that image onto a person that we think fits those criteria. And the first and greatest task of love, he said, was to, for it to survive the inevitable impact with reality. Because the ultimate sin in any relationship is when the person that you are in love with is a human and you realize they're not that idealized image that you projected upon them, even when you don't know that you're doing it. Once reality sets in and you realize who they really are, if love survives, then it is true love. And that is one of the hardest things for love to do is to survive that impact with reality. And I love this last line. And when he speaks to you, believe him. Though his voice may shatter your dreams as the north wind lays waste to the garden. I have to say that, you know, I, I've been with the same man for over 20 years. And it's actually going to be, what, 22 this year? Years. And our dreams when we got together and our life that we have now share absolutely nothing in common. I mean, they really don't. But the road that got us here to this place, to the life that we're now living, is glorious and wonderful and hard and tragic and difficult. But it got us both to a place where we needed to be and where we eventually ended up. And that's the really tricky thing when you're realizing that you're going to have a life with somebody is it's easy to get all caught up in plans and planning and these notions that we have of who and what we're going to be 10, 20, 15, 30 years down the line. But those dreams will probably die because you're going somewhere else. And that's the point of the journey. Go where love leads you. Continuing from the text. For even as love crowns you, so shall he crucify you. For even as he is for your growth, is he for your pruning. Even as he ascends to the height and caresses your tenderest branches that quiver in the sun. So shall he descend to your roots and shake them in their clinging to the earth.
Yeah. I mean, this is what we were talking about. This is one of the reasons why people don't like the uh, romances that I write. Because <laughs> I don't write love stories that are about that perfect ideal love. There is a sacrifice that comes. There is a pruning because you're going to rub at each other and you're going to rub and come up against each other's hard, pointy, jagged edges. And if the relationship works, those will be smoothed out. But there is pruning that hap happens between now and then. And yes, while he may ascend to the heights and caress your tenderest branches that quiver in the sun, so shall he descend to your roots and shake them in their clinging to the earth. Yeah, I mean, we've moved around the country, we've made friends and lost friends and made dreams and lost dreams and built lives and lost them so many times over the years that that's the that's the journey and being able to take these dichotomies together is the heart of being in a relationship and having that love that will guide you it, it it's one of the most magical things that you can do and one of the hardest it really is it just most people don't talk about love in these terms and it's one of the things that I made me fall in love with this book is Gibran or the prophet is so open and honest. And even though it's poetic and even though it's written in these wonderful, you know, confusing way where, you know, you are crowned and crucified and grow, but prune and, there is the truth is between those things that both will happen in their course and learning to live with that is one of the most powerful lessons that you can learn if you want a life of love brace yourself and prepare yourself for these things to happen continuing from the text like sheaves of corn he gathers you unto himself he threshes you to make you naked. He sifts you to free you from your husks. He grinds you to whiteness. He kneads you until you are plated. Pliant. Sorry. He kneads you until you are pliant. And then he assigns you to his sacred fire. That you may become sacred bread for God's sacred feast. This is the power of love. This is what, this is what a relationship of love is like. It gathers, it threshes, which breaks the kernel free from the rest of the stalk. It's sifted to remove the husk and all the hard bits. You're ground to whiteness. You will never be rawer in your life than when you're in the arms of your beloved and things just aren't the way you expected. You see, expectation is the great poison 
that enters all relationships because it is akin to attachment. And attachment is the poison that brings suffering. And so as you are ground down, as you are needed to be compliant, all of this, you think that it's going to get easier. And then there you are thrust into the fire to become the sacred bread for God's sacred feast. And that's who we are in the end. That's what we are. Our lives are living prayers to God. Our bodies are temples to the divine. Everything that we do is a prayer in this world to make this world better and to reconcile it to the divine. Everything that we do. How could we expect our love to be any different? Love is that threshing. It is that sifting, that kneading, that baking in the fire so that you will be an offering on the altar of life so that others will see the life that you have and desire it also. It is easy for us in the turmoils that come with love, with our relationships, to overlook the end of what is coming, of what is, is making of us. Because we are attached to ourself, we are attached to our self-image, we are attached to the ideas of what we have, to our dreams, our goals, our ambitions. It's hard for us to stop and ask if those things are really best for us. Because of course they are, we want them. There's a solipsistic myopia that comes over us where we can't see further than a foot from our nose and we're always taking into effect what we think is best for us. Me, me, me. And the problem is when you enter a relationship, yes, there's still me, but there's also us. You know, all relationships are between three people. There's the two there and the relationship itself. It has its own needs. It has its own wants. It has its own ambitions, its own desires. It will have what it will have from you or it will wither. And learning to live in this world in this con constant cycle of being winnowed and freed and baked into the bread of life, into the bread of God, the sacred feast for the altar. That is really the secret of love. And we'll talk about this a little bit more after the break. And we're back. I'm, I, I imagine that the way I'm describing love sounds horrible to some people. You know, because our romances and our love songs, they make it sound so sweet and tender. And that's there. And that's part of it. But the relationship itself, the actual beating heart of love, entails so much more. And that's what we're talking about today. Continuing from the text. All these things shall love do unto you that you may be, I'm sorry, all these things shall love do unto you that you may know the secrets of your heart and in that knowledge become a fragment of life's heart. 
Just think about that for a minute. That you will be a fragment of life's heart. That you will know the secrets of your heart. Because remember when we talked about those dreams that we have for ourselves? When the relationship, when the love itself says, no, actually, what about this dream instead? That's when the question of, is that actually what I need? Is that actually what's best for me? Is that what will make me a fragment of life's heart? Those questions come up. And if you're not willing to make the sacrifice for the relationship, then this isn't the relationship for you. Because that's what we're learning through this entire process. That if we are meant to be together, we will be together. The relationship will find a way. Continuing from the text. But if in your fear you should seek only love's peace and love's pleasure, then it is better for you that you cover your nakedness and pass out of love's threshing floor into the seasonless world where you shall laugh, but not all of your laughter, and weep, but not all of your tears. And this is what we were saying. This is the point that we were going for the entire time. Yes, if these things that we're talking about, the hard work that is love, is too hard for you, and it breeds that fear in you, because all you want is that peace and that pleasure Sure, fine. Leave the threshing floor. Don't be made into that sacred bread. But know that you will never laugh all of your laughter and you will never weep all of your tears because it's in the relationship, it's in that love that you will learn new ways to laugh, you will learn new ways to cry. And there will not only be tears of sorrow, but tears of joy, tears of exuberance, tears of... Just absolute pleasure. And yes, some will be tears of sorrow. But that fullness comes with that love. And I want to take a minute here because I have a feeling that if there are any um, aromantic or asexual people listening to me right now, you might think that I'm saying, well, then this is not for you. Then you will never have this experience. Remember, we're talking about love here. We're not talking about romantic relationships. I have relationships that are strictly platonic that I've gone through this entire process with. They've been winnowing. They've been sifting. You know, we've been threshed. We've been sifted. We've been kneaded to compliance, ground to a paste, and baked into a bread. Friendship is a form of love. And through it, you can have these same experiences. Don't think that I'm simply, and the love for a parent, for a child, will have these experiences as well. We're not talking here strictly about romantic love, though a lot of people will be confused and think that that's what we're talking about. That's not what we're talking about at all. And yes, if you are a romantic or asexual, you are going to have these experiences too in your friendships and in your relationships with others. Let us continue from the text. Love gives not but itself and takes not but from itself. Love possesses not, nor would it be possessed, for love is sufficient unto love. This is probably one of the most quoted passages from the prophet, because it works great at a wedding. 
It really does. But I don't think a lot of people take the time to think about what it means, what it's actually saying. Love gives not but itself, because it has nothing else to give. You see, if your friendship is based off of what you can do for each other, then it's not really based off of that friendship. It's, it's based off of those gifts. The same thing with any romantic or parental relationship. If it's just an, a transactional affair, then it's not actually love, it's a transactional affair. Love gives none, nothing but itself. And it takes nothing but itself. It cannot possess, it, it does not possess anything, and it cannot be possessed. Love is sufficient for love. You see, the relationship is what's important. I have friends that I only get to see once a year. I get to talk to them online. I get to hang out with them virtually, but I only get to visit them once a year. But our friendship is so strong because we are there for each other when we need each other. And that love is sufficient for love. Continuing from the text. When you love, you should not say, God is in my heart, but rather, I am in the heart of God. And think not that you can direct the course of love, for love, if it finds you worthy, directs the course. Yeah, this is very true. Say not that God is in my heart, but rather, I am in the heart of God. God is love. And for anybody who thinks that I'm just being saccharine sweet anytime I say that, just read the epistle of John. God is love, and no one can experience love apart from God. It, it can't be simpler. So in saying that God is love, when we are with within love, we are in the heart of God. It's not that God is so much in your heart as that you are in God's heart. And that may seem like a semantic argument, but it really changes your view of things. You see, this goes back to what we said earlier, right? Love possesses not, nor would it be possessed. If God is in my heart, then that says I own God. I own love because it's in me. You see, I have the illusion of separate self because I have the limitations of my realm of vision and sensation, which makes me believe that I am a separate self. That is an illusion. And so when we say God is in my heart, we are taking possession of something that we don't possess. You know, in creation spirituality, we like to say that we are panentheists. We believe that everything is in God and God is in everything. And that's an important distinction because it's not everything is God. Everything is in God and God is in everything. If I say God is in my heart, I am laying claim to that ownership. But if I am in the heart of God, I am possessed by God. Or, at the very least, I exist in the same realm. So be very careful not to cling too tightly to things that you cannot hold on to. Because 
as the prophet reminds us, it love directs its own course. We will be guided through this life by the choices and the relationships that we maintain. And no matter what anybody tells you, those relationships that you have in your life will mean more to you than anything else. Because it's through those relationships that you will have strength when you need it. You'll have solace when you need it. And they will guide your course more than you will ever know. You can try to be mindful of it. You can try to count your blessings, but you will always, always miss out on the little things because very often the little, the things that actually steer you are so tiny that they're easy to miss. Continuing from the text. Love has no other desire but to fulfill itself. But if you love and must needs have desires, let these be your desires to melt and be like the running brook that sings its melody into the night, to know the pain of too much tenderness, to be wounded by your own understanding of love and to bleed willingly and joyfully to wake at dawn with the winged with a winged heart and give thanks for another day of loving to rest at the noon hour and meditate love's ecstasy to return home at eventide with gratitude and then to sleep with a prayer for the beloved in your heart and a song of praise upon your lips Oh, how beautiful those words are and how true they are. Love has no other desire but to fulfill itself. This is very true. The friendship will want to grow and develop. The love will want to deepen itself. But if you must have desires, these are the ones you should have. And I love how, how the prophet says this. To melt and be like a running brook that sings its melody to the night. I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I highly recommend it. I wish I could tell you how to have this experience. I, I've had it a couple times in my life, and it's always been for different reasons. My absolute favorite time that this ever happened was me and some friends sitting around, and out of nowhere, one of them started singing a song, and we all just sang along. And together, we, we just melted into one person. We were just together in that moment of holy perfection, together and one. And it was beautiful. And it's a memory that I hold on to in the darkest of nights. Because we melted together. And we were like a running brook that sings its melody into the night. I can think of times I've done this in other relationships as well. It may sound poetic, but there are experiences that we have that cause that sense of separateness to fade, to go away. And again, they can be in a loving, erotic relationship, or they could be in 
a brotherly love type relationship, a f familial relationship. I can think of times with my siblings that we've had where we were just having fun and the idea, just the notion of being separate people fell away. I can think of concerts that I've gone to where everyone there just kind of melted together into one being celebrating the music. Look for those moments and try to have them. If you've never had them, they, they bring so much love to your life. So we should also desire to know pain, the pain of too much tenderness. Yeah, this, this is, I think, at least for me, self-explanatory. There's a vulnerability that comes into our relationships that when you allow it to overtake you and be the heart of the relationship, it will take you to a place where it will hurt. I can think of times when friends have gone through breakups and we just held each other as they cried. I think of a lot of people that I've done that with. I can think of people that have lost their fathers, mothers, other people close to them. And in that moment of silence between us, we shared. And in that tenderness, we knew each other's pain. We should desire to be wounded by our own understanding of love. Yeah. I wrote a book about that recently. I am not going to talk about it on this podcast because I'm not here to promote my work. But yeah. When, when you allow yourself to be wounded by your own understanding of love, that means that you're enacting love. That you do unto others as you'd have them to do, do unto you. That you're willing to give of yourself. No greater love has man than this, but to lay down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus said. To bleed willingly and joyfully. And I think we just covered that. To wake at dawn with a winged heart and give thanks for another day of loving. That's a beautiful way to start your day. Then at noontime to meditate on love's ecstasy and to return home at evening tide with gratitude. And then to sleep with a prayer for the beloved in your heart and a song of praise upon your lips. I mean, really, that, what more could you ask for? I mean, that is all of the sweetness of life. And again, I think from my own experiences, these are experiences of love that you can find anywhere. They're not just found within, you know, a, an erotic relationship. I think we too often confuse you know, eroticism and that type of love with true love. True love can be between friends. True love is what makes a family. And hopefully this has helped you. I love this book. I love talking about this book. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am because we're going to go through the whole thing. If you have enjoyed it and the, and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either this episode or the podcast, please do that. That tells the algorithm that it should share me with other people. If you got a buck, you could pass my way. 
Again, depending on the app, there'll either be a button that says support, or in the show notes, you'll see a link that says support on Anchor. If you click that, you can support the $1, $5, $10 levels. That money goes to me and helps me pay for upkeep on the website and, you know, the time to do this, especially, you know, coming up because I'm probably going to need to get a new mic soon. Luckily, the dropouts have stopped, but I was having some weird mic issues. So hopefully they go away, but mics are not cheap. If you don't have any money or don't feel like giving, that's fine. You know, I don't do this for the money. I do this because it's stuff I like to talk about. But I do ask that if you could, please pray for me. Your prayers do help out a lot. And share me with other people that you think might enjoy this show. If I've helped you, let me know. It it really does help give me encouragement to do these things because, you know, I'm a busy person and, you know, I know how much these lessons have helped me and that's why I want to share them with you. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm C.E. Dorset. Well, you can follow me at C.E. Dorset, but I'm uh, Wisdom Cries Out on Twitter. Um, You can find links to everything that I do at wisdomscry.com. And until next time, may God bless you and keep you ever growing in wisdom and compassion. Amen.